Selling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. This is the Home Plate Podcast with Ryan Port and Calvin Smith. Talking all things baseball in the city of Nashville. Just a bit outside. On Nashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Welcome in to yet another edition of the Home Plate Podcast. Ryan Porth, Calvin Smith here with you. World Series edition of the Home Plate Podcast. The Washington Nationals leading two games to nil. Raise your hand if you saw this coming. Brian Forth raises his hand. I, but, I'm raising my hand. But did he fully see it coming? No. He foresaw more than Calvin saw. That's for certain. <laughs> Look, the Washington Nationals, what they've done in the first two games of this World Series, nothing short of spectacular. Absolutely. You beat Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander in Houston. Two of the, quote, hottest pitchers in the game right now. I mean, you could argue those two are 1-2 in the AL Cy Young race. And if you were asking baseball fans, who do you want on the mound? Everyone would probably say Justin Verlander is one of the top three just in the game in general. In his generation. Yeah. I mean, for the last decade. Absolutely. Because he's done it at the, on the biggest stage so many times that you're just kind of used to seeing Justin Verlander perform in big time moments. And Garrett Cole this season, at least, he's been getting better and better with each passing passing yeah. season. You would You would pick him for that spotlight as well. I will say. Remember when we talked about momentum? Mm-hmm. I think Garrett Cole is a very good example of momentum is kind of just something we all make up. But the Nationals, you cannot tell me the Nationals do not have momentum right now. They're playing well. But Garrett Cole had, mo- quote, momentum too. They were both playing well. They've won, the Nationals, seven, they've won seven games in a row. But, but they didn't win. The, they didn't beat the Astros in the second game because they beat them in the first game. Okay. Whatever. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just bringing up our old conversation. And for the loyal listener out there, they know that we had this discussion and I'm bringing it back. Okay. That, hey, I'm just kind of jabbing back at it. Well, Garrett Cole had a lot of momentum from like mid-May until this week. He, he was pitching on fire. He didn't lose for that entire period of time. And that's really hard to do. I, I wonder if at all this season that Cole and Verlander lost on back-to-back nights? Uh, I would bet it happened like three times that the Astros lost Maybe. when Maybe. those guys pitched on back-to-back nights. But both getting the loss, that's the other caveat to that, is that Cole got the loss and Verlander got the loss. The Astros could lose back-to-back games with those two pitching, but them not factor into the, into the decision. But yeah. Cole and Verlander, they beat Cole and Verlander both. Yes, they did. On back-to-back nights. Very impressive. The Juan Soto home run in game one, opposite field, left center field on the train tracks may have been one of the most impressive home runs I have ever seen. Well, I think we both came into this saying we're expecting big things from Juan Soto. You've been really, really big on Juan Soto's bat all year. And before coming into the World Series, I said, this guy, I just feel like there's something written all over him that he is going to be a primetime performer in the Mm -hmm. World Series in the biggest moments and he has been, and he is, and he's turning 21 today as of the recording of this Home Plate podcast. So happy 21st birthday, happy birthday. to Juan Soto. Happy birthday, and he'll probably celebrate with another spectacular play, whether it's game three, game four, if there's a game five. I can't believe we're talking about if there's a game five with the Nationals leading 2 nothing. Well, at this point, I, I was just going to say, 
Juan Soto can legally drink when the Nationals win the World Series. I'm sure he, I'm not accusing him, but I'm sure he illegally drank uh, after they beat no, both the Dodgers and the Cardinals. never. I, <laughs> don't put that on his name. <laughs> no? Okay. I'm sure there's video evidence of it somewhere on the interwebs. Perhaps. From inside the, the clubhouse, but that's neither here nor there. Do you think the series is over? Uh, I would say, that, I mean, that, that's really tough because I would say the Nationals have like a 75% chance to win at this point. But if there's a team in the bigs who could pull off this kind of a comeback, it's the Astros. They still have some good pitching left. I think Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, if they get back out, out on the mound, I'm not betting against those guys, despite how good Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, <laughs> Anibal Sanchez, if he sees the mound, like all of that. Factored against the Astros, if there's a team I'm betting on, a team with their back against the wall, it's the Astros and the firepower in this lineup. Jose Altuve is going to find a way to do it. He did it against the Yankees. Mm -hmm. I think that the Nationals have such a high probability of winning because going up 2-0 is such a great advantage, obviously, in a seven-game series. Especially doing it on the road. Now they get to go home in front of their crowd. They have three chances to win two games Mm -hmm. to win the World Series at home. I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say the World Series does not get back to Houston. That this is over in no la- no no later than five games. Just for perfect clarification, one two Houston, three four five Washington. Correct. I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna say the series gets back to Houston, but I don't think the Astros win the World Series. Okay, I That's think fair. I think the Astros won't just fold, and if they do, it's an incredible incredible occurrence if they do that I would be shocked by so I think the series gets back to Houston but at this point coming back from 2-0 like that it, it, it would take something special and it would take Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander absolutely getting back out on the mound and being shut down starters well the Astros have responded well this postseason when they faced some adversity the Rays forced a game five yes. the Astros won the Yankees won game one in Houston the Astros came back and won three in a row so it's not like they're incapable of coming back in this series. But my prediction now, as we record this going into game three, is that the Nationals win this in no la- uh, no later than five games. That's bold. I mean, even, I mean, it's it's really not, honestly, because the odds that they win two of these final three are pretty good. But let's let's take a look at the pitching depth, right? So the, the Nationals are throwing Corbin tonight and the Astros are throwing Grinky, right? Uh, Ryan Porth is fact-checking me here. It's and Anibal Sanchez it's, Oh, it's Anibal Sanchez. There we go. Yep. I thought it was Corbin. Well, Corbin's been coming out of the bat, uh, out of the bullpen. They've been using him as a reliever. They that, have, but... and Okay. They, hey, they got faith in Anibal. So, Who doesn't? I mean, he almost threw a no-hitter in St. Louis. I mean, he's not going to throw... It doesn't mean he's going to no-hit the Astros. <laughs> Astros, Cardinals, very uh, weighted scale there. No, no doubt about it. And... Don't be. I mean, don't be surprised if the Astros come out and win tonight. And then it's a whole different series. You, you know why I think the Nationals are going to win the World Series at home because they have all the momentum. Because they have all the momentum. Yep. <laughs> I wish. I wish the listener could uh, see your face. It just okay. I do, do you. I actually want to know. Were you messing with me there, or do you think that? A little bit of both. Why do you think that? Why do I think the Nationals have the momentum? Why do you think that? their prior performances will affect tonight. Because they have such a good mojo right now. An eight-run seventh inning 
from the other night yes. can absolutely carry over psychologically into game three. Okay, so if it can, that mindset can carry over. Sure. Between games. Sure. So why didn't it for Garrett Cole? Because the Nationals' opposing because, momentum was greater? Yes. Absolutely. The Juan Soto opposing momentum was absolutely but I would argue, greater. But if we're making a momentum argument, this I'm going to so, <laughs> get so technical. And if you're listening and you're thinking, this Calvin guy's a douchebag. What's wrong with him? I'm sorry. But would Garrett Cole set the NLDS record for strikeouts and was absolutely locked down. Mm-hmm. I don't see how the momentum clash there would be greater. Well, some people are also saying karma. For what the Astros okay. assistant GM said. I am more likely to believe in karma than momentum. Breaking news. I believe in momentum more than karma. Because I don't think jinxes exist. Oh, I'm such... I, I mean, like, I'm not really, but I'm such a jinx believer. Oh, we're, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. We are not going to... We, we are just going to agree <laughs> to, a di- to disagree on this one. Because I will fight until I die on the hill saying that jinxes do not exist. So, Well, I knock on wood every time I say something. So every time I make like a statement about, oh, I'm going to do this really well, knock on wood. Yeah. Just because, like, what's the harm? I don't know. There is no harm. <laughs> <laughs> so Astros Nationals, have you seen the TV ratings? The TV ratings yeah. have not been great. Yes. And I'm surprised because these are two really fun teams to watch. With a ton of talent. Does mm-hmm. that mean the brand of the Astros and the brand of the Nationals, the fact that it's not the Yankees or the Dodgers or yeah. the Cardinals or the Red Sox? I mean, the brand, I think, carries more weight than the talent itself. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, And I hate that because there's so much talent. We're going to get to a little bit of a fantasy draft as we draft players from these two teams just having fun talking about this World Series. But if you put the Astros players in Yankees uniforms and you put the Nationals players in Dodgers uniforms, all of a sudden it's a ratings bonanza. And I think most of it is if you put the Nationals players in the Dodgers uniforms, right? Because the Astros had a lot of hype around them. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated and everyone said they were going to win the World Series and they were going to create a dynasty because they were tanking. And everybody knows about the Astros because they won the World Series and Jose Altuve is five foot five, and Carlos Correa was the number one pick in the draft. You get what I'm saying. A lot of the storylines with the Astros were already well known. So I think the trade-off between the Yankees and Astros is there, but it's not as astronomical as probably a Dodgers-Nationals trade-off. And I think a wild-card team, a team who didn't win their division, a team who just had Bryce Harper leave them, Mm -hmm. despite how good Max Scherzer is, despite how good Juan Soto is. Juan Soto is not 26 years old like Bryce Harper. Doesn't carry the big contract, the big name, the hype, the hair. I mean, honestly, that's just where Juan I... Soto's hair is so much better than Bryce Harper's hair. It's not even. It's not even close. Well, probably. Yeah. I mean, Every, Bryce Harper has ugly hair, but ev- it's well known. Everything Juan Soto is better than yeah. everything Bryce Harper. <laughs> well, Juan except Soto, the bank account, right? Juan, now. Juan Soto's defense is not really noteworthy. Mm, Bryce Harper's had his moments of not being noteworthy. Well, yeah, in right but field but too. he was but Bryce Harper you can put in center field, and he's not a good center fielder. But Juan Soto in center field is even worse. But that's a tangential point to what we're talking about. Correct. That the trade-off between the trade-off in the National League is really great, and I think that's what's hampering the TV ratings a lot. But I also read a really good piece in the New York Times opinion about how baseball is different, and that judging baseball based on national TV ratings 
is a little silly because that's not what this game has been for 30 years. Baseball has not been something that encapsulates an entire country. Baseball encapsulates regions. And baseball in local markets absolutely dominates primetime ratings. Mm -hmm. Like in baseball markets in Atlanta, Houston, Kansas City, well, they suck, but you know what? When not, they were good. I mean, they, when, were, they were good just a few when, years ago. When there are adequate teams being fielded in these markets, they slaughter primetime ratings in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even close that the Braves, the Rockies, all these, every, literally every market I can name, the Diamondbacks, baseball wins in the markets. But what, ha- what the problem is, is that baseball doesn't really win outside of their markets, and really that's just been the nature of the game for a long time, right? And so every time a new study comes out about, well, not even a study, just the ratings come out about the World Series, I'm like, well, yeah. But when baseball is fundamentally flawed is when the local markets aren't interested. And that just isn't the case right now. Well, and this kind of gets to discussions that we've had in previous podcasts, maybe earlier in the season when we weren't so focused on the on the stretch run and the deadline and the playoffs, all that, is the you know, how Major League Baseball markets or doesn't market their stars. How marketable the stars are in the case of Mike Trout, right. who is not marketable. Right. Well, that, but also I don't think they do a great job of marketing the stars that they have. What? What? I mean, but I hear that a lot. What would you do different? I would put them, whether it's on social media or on commercials, in-game Getting the stars in front of a camera and showing personalities instead of just highlights of these guys. Yeah, because they do the highlights and those have mixed results. Right. That's where that's where athletes connect with fans. Mm-hmm. When fans get to see the personality. But, and that's what I'm saying. Mike Trout doesn't have that. You can get it out of him. But I, I just, he, he just doesn't have it. If he had it, he's not completely vanilla. When you watch some documentaries on Mike Trout... You can see some personality come out in him, but that, LeBron James doesn't need a documentary for you to realize LeBron James has personality. Well, AJ Brown for the Tennessee Titans doesn't need a, like that's the problem with Mike Trout is that he needs that extra mile, that really extra mile to market him effectively. Bryce Harper doesn't need that. I don't think Ronald Acuna needs that. Juan Soto, he's not the flashiest guy in the world, but I mean he's got some swag to him a little bit more than Mike Trout if Juan Soto was on that level. I get what you're saying, but let's take market for market, for example. So the Washington Capitals took on the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final two years ago, and that was the highest rated Stanley Cup final the NHL has ever had when it didn't feature an original six franchise Mm -hmm. because there was star power. There was also the story of, you know, an expansion franchise in... And which was awesome. a championship setting, which had never happened before. But my point being, Alex Ovechkin makes the Washington Capitals the Washington Capitals in terms of national interest. Well, he's Why doesn't three. Max Scherzer, one of a future Hall of Fame pitcher, yeah. who ha- it's not like he's boring out there. First of all, he has two different eye colors. Second of all, he's like a bulldog on the mound. He's literally cussing batters out yes. as he throws. He is entertaining to watch on the mound. So why isn't someone like a Max Scherzer, and not just Max Scherzer, you've got a former number one overall pick in Steven Strasburg. You've got this 21-year-old now who was 20 years old 
hitting a 450-foot bomb off Garrett Cole opposite field. Juan Soto is one of the most talented players in Major League Baseball. And then on the Astros side of it, you've got a Hall of Fame pitcher in Justin Verlander. You've got a lot of name recognition. Jose Altuve is extremely fun to watch. Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, George Springer. And the ratings are down? Like, I, I know you're, I know it's all in comparison to the Red Sox and the Dodgers, two huge brands. But I, I just, I wish more people would, like, appreciate the level of talent that we're watching mm-hmm. right now out there. Because yeah. I, I don't know if I'm even making sense with what I'm saying. No, you're making, you're making complete sense. But you have a, like, the Nationals are in the nation's capital just like the Washington Capitals are. And the Capitals are a huge ratings bonanza. They're in the same market. They've got star power. The Nationals are in the nation's capital. They've got star power. It's not like the Capitals have a history of winning. They won their first ever Stanley Cup two years ago. The Nationals have never won anything. Like I, I know they're a newer franchise, but I don't think that really matters. They've They've been relevant in the last decade. So... I don't know. I, I I agree with your point that it's regional and not national, the interest in baseball. But I I just wish more more people would I wish that wasn't an excuse for this. Yes. Because nationally the the Stanley Cup final nights and caps it drew very well. And World Series is not. When you're when the bone of contention when it comes to the teams and you know, you're saying the nationals are a bigger reason than the Astros and as to why the remind, world series. Remind me, down. remind me about the Washington Capitals regular season that year. Uh, it wasn't all the pack. That, they were, they that, were like the three seed of the Metro yeah, division. It wasn't because they didn't, they won the president's trophy the year before, right? In years prior. I can't remember if it was the exact okay. year, year before, but they had all sorts of regular seasons that they were fantastic, and then they pooped the bed in the playoffs. Yeah. Just kind of like the Nationals. Yeah, yeah. And now the Nationals, as a wild card team, are on this magical ride, and nobody cares. This this also just leads into a, a weird conversation about where we are in media right now, because I wonder how Nielsen accounts for streaming. Like, we talk about this in the NFL and Red Zone, and Red Zone's destroying football and all that, <laughs> but more people are streaming this stuff. Yeah. YouTube TV... I'm a YouTube TV guy. I watch, I'm a college student who doesn't have cable TV. Xfinity Stream, I use my parents' account to watch things. Mm-hmm. I just, I also wonder, because- It's a fair question. NBA was down last finals, right? Yes. Because it was the Raptors. It, yes. Yeah. It was the Raptors and LeBron. Golden State didn't have that same intrigue, especially when Kevin Durant was out. If I'm not, I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah. I just- <laughs> I really think we need to be reevaluating how this is like a general media thing. I really think we need to be reevaluating how we measure this stuff too. And there are better ways. And how we react to, to it. That. Yes. As well. Because yeah, like the national ratings are down, but haven't we had this conversation about everything on TV? I know. Except the Super Bowl? No, that's completely valid. And yes, I get it kind of like, I think why this narrative about baseball ratings going down is because it just kind of like pushes more of the thought about baseball dying, which is seems to be very common amongst a lot of people who don't like baseball. 
Mm-hmm. And like I, I get it if baseball isn't your sport, like that's fine. But I, I I work a lot of nights here at the game, and Freddie Coleman talks about it all the time. And like I know Freddie Coleman isn't a baseball guy, but he when he's doing his show, that's a lot of what they're talking about, and that it doesn't encapsulate the full picture with context. So I find I've always found that to be very misleading, only using TV ratings, especially at this point in mm-hmm. <laughs> in our digital media age. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm sure we will talk about this ad nauseum moving forward. Oh yeah, but. We do want to get to our fantasy draft. Yes. So there there are a lot of talented players on the diamond in this World Series. It is so ESPN.com ranked all 50 players in the World Series. And I'm sifting through this list. I'm like, man, you get past 10 and there's still all-stars being listed. I mean, number 12 on this list is Zach Greinke. You could go back in, world, in prior World Series in recent years and say Zach Greinke was like a top five pl- player. Oh yeah, if they were on one of the, if he was on one of those rosters, it's just so loaded. Jose Altuve on this list is ninth. I was surprised they had Bregman all the way up at two. Were you? A little I, bit. I'm surprised he was above Cole. That, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. I was surprised yeah. at this point. Like Scherzer makes sense at number one, but also. The year Rendon's had, that's that's going to be a fun one to see how we pick between Anthony Rendon and Alex Bregman. Right. So the top five that ESPN listed, Scherzer one, Bregman two, Cole three, Verlander four, and Rendon five. They had Juan Soto at eight. Strasburg six, Springer seven, Soto eight. And then Altuve nine, Correa ten. So if Correa was healthy, Correa would be top five. Like ooh, for a full season. Hot take. He can't stay healthy for a full season. I know, and it's a shame. It is a shame. shame. It is a shame. So, how are we going to do this? Who goes first? I'll I'll go first. You want to go first? I'll say the first pitcher I I want is Max Scherzer. Okay. So, you you have taken Max Scherzer with your number one pick. So, we'll snake this. Yep. So, I get picks two and three. Okay. Give me... Despite his game one, give me Garrett Cole. That he and, yeah. And I have to have my boy. I, I just have to. You have to. I, I, if you didn't, you're a hypocrite. I know. <laughs> so Juan, Juan Soto is the third overall pick in our mythical fantasy draft. Which leads me to uh, to show you how much I like Carlos Correa. I'm picking him right here. Oh. Like, I absolutely love everything about Carlos Correa's game. Except the injuries, and if I could just get past that, I, I would have him. I might have picked him first second, overall, second. Okay, I think I would have had Scherzer up there, anyways. And then I would go Bregman. Bregman, ooh, I, all by, right, by a hair over Rendon. All right, well, you take Bregman, I take Rendon. Gotcha. And hmm, this is tough. I gotta go over Lander. See, that, that's like as far as Justin Verlander can fall. Yeah. Which means I take Strasburg. Okay. And then it, then it starts to get a little hairy for me because I, I go through this and I'm like, ugh. Springer's still there. Mm-hmm. Altuve. Altuve? Yeah, got to be Altuve, right? So essentially you're getting all the Astros hitters and Nationals pitchers and I'm getting the Astros pitchers that's and how this is Nationals shaking. hitters. <laughs> that's how this is shaking out right now. So I'm going to buck the trend. My center fielder is going to be George Springer. Yeah, that's who you have to take. Man, there. can you imagine George Springer and Juan Soto in the same That would be real outfield. fun to watch. 
So I'll take Springer. Hmm. I'm going to throw you for a curveball. It, it's getting tough now. It's getting really tough now. Give me Patrick Corbin. Cole Verlander Corbin. And we're only drafting three starters each because yeah. it's a big three. So I'm getting Corbin. So I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I'm going to put Trey Turner in center field. Oh, so you're going to yeah. put Turner in center were, field. Yeah, I were. was not expecting that. Yeah, so that's that's because I would take Trey He's Turner. He's played outfield. I would yeah. take Turner over Robles. And if I can pull that off, I'll take all the speed in the world. So then give me Grinky as my third starter. Okay, so Turner in center field. And Zach Grinky as your number three. Okay. Yeah, I just threw you for a loop there. I was, I, was, I knew, I thought about it. I'm like, oh, oh, I can put Turner in center field. Let's do it. I was not expecting that. That makes the shortstop pick. Oh man, brutal. See, I, <laughs> I was, um, damn, I was planning on taking Turner at shortstop. <laughs> yeah. Nice, uh, nice strategy there. So now you got. I mean, you might have to go to the bench. I'm going to take Michael Brantley. Okay, good. In the outfield, nice. so Soto, Springer, and Brantley, and then. All right, now it's getting tough. Now it's getting really tough. So options that I have at my disposal right now. All right, I might throw you for a loop. Okay. Most DHs can play first, right? You putting Jordan Alvarez? I'm putting there Jordan Alvarez. Yep, there you go. I was going to put Jordan first. Alvarez in right field. How yes. inept he is as a fielder, <laughs> I was going to put him in right field. Which means I will go with Adam Eaton and then take Osuna for the pin. Okay. Adam Eaton and Osuna. Johnny on the spot with those picks there. Calvin Smith. Uh, give me This Is How We Do It. Howie Kendrick. There you go. Did you get that dad joke? Yes. I, this is I, how oh, we I do it. The, I would <laughs> boo you if I had my soundboard. Boo. <laughs> and, well, I think I can hold off on the reliever because I know you don't need a reliever. Yes, I'm not going to pick one. So give me as Drupal Cabrera. Okay. At short. Yep. He's played that position before. Mm-hmm. Then I'll say. So you've got first base and left field. Oh, left. we don't have catcher on here. Oh. We got to add catcher. Oh. Well, okay. And I think we were both going to push catchers to the end anyways. And, I mean, the cat that those are the weakest links. Yes. <laughs> when it comes to hitters in this World Series. So then for first base, uh, give me the Zimmerman. Okay. Then in left field, do I want Robles or Kyle Tucker? You're going through a tough decision here. Robles. I like speed. Give me Robles. Okay. In, le- in left field, that might not be the best utilization of his talent, mm-hmm. but I will take it nonetheless. Okay. So then I will take Kurt Suzuki at catcher and Sean Doolittle in the pen. I'm do- taking Doolittle, Doolittle over. Doolittle, who's who I would have gone with second. Over Daniel Hudson. Yeah, I would have gone Doolittle over Hudson as well. And mm-hmm. then catcher, give me Maldonado. Over Torinos? I just picked whoever started last. Okay. Did you? All right. When I say the Robin, when I say the name Robinson Torinos, yeah, that sounds like something that I would order at La Hacienda. 
A Robinson Chirinos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll take a Robinson Chirinos. Well, it actually sounds like churros. <laughs> uh, no, or chorizo. <laughs> yes. So his name actually fits really well at a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Wherever he's from, whatever his hometown is, they should have a Robinson Chirinos. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> the, the Mexican restaurant is probably named Chirinos. Chirinos. After the Astros catcher that you did not pick in the home yeah, plate podcast fantasy Maldonado draft. known better for the defense, so give me the defensive catcher. Okay. So to recap, Calvin's lineup at first base, we have Ryan Zimmerman. At second base, Jose Altuve. At third base, Alex Bregman. At shortstop, Carlos Correa. In left field, Victor Robles. In center field with... The twist of the draft, Trey Turner. Yes, and center. if I was real life managing this, I would probably say if Trey Turner can play center, he can play left and put Robles in center. Okay, fair. Adam Eaton in right, and then Martin Maldonado. Behind the plate. Behind the plate. Your three starters, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Grinky, and Roberto Osuna. Yes. Closing it out. A little controversial on the reliever. But. Okay. And then my lineup, first base, Jordan Alvarez. Second base, Howie Kendrick. Third base, Anthony Rendon. Shortstop, Asdrubal Cabrera. Left field, Juan Soto. Center field, George Springer. Right field, Michael Brantley. And catcher, Kurt Suzuki. Three-headed monster in the rotation, Cole Verlander Corbin. And then Doolittle closing it out. Got the lefty out of the pin. Yeah. The the, the Oakley-wearing, glasses-wearing reliever. <laughs> <laughs> Doolittle has been pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. And that what they got him, not this trade deadline, but the last trade deadline, right from mm-hmm. the A's, paid off. That's that's why there's value in going getting guys who you can have under control who may not be the biggest name because Sean Doolittle, good reliever, but not someone who's known as a lockdown dynamite guy at the back. He's doing a lot. He's not doing little. <laughs> He's doing a lot for the Washington Nationals. Uh, all I can do is facepalm that. <laughs> I I like the dad jokes, right? I I think they're funny. Like I make them with my friends all the time. But you you just take the dad jokes and take them to a next level. You were born to be a father, Ryan. Porter. Dude, I am I am the dad joke king. <laughs> so you're gonna be the dad when you have kids and you're out to dinner with your whole family. You're gonna the waitress is gonna bring you your bill and you're gonna say, oh no, thank you, no thank you. That is the quintessential dad joke to me. Is it though? I don't think I've ever heard that one. Really? Yeah. Oh, that I've I have seen that one play out many, many, many times. Really? All the time. Mm, okay. What did the duck say when he went to the counter? What? Just put it on my bill. You came out with that so quickly. <laughs> I said, <laughs> "What? Just put it on my bill." <laughs> like you were so excited. Oh yeah. I'm oh, the, I am a king of dad jokes. So is Willie, Do- Willie Donick. He had a good one earlier today, but that's neither here. This is such a digression. Nor there. I know. So that is our World Series fantasy draft. I'm biased. I think I won. Well, I know I won. So Okay. Well, <laughs> at least we can uh, both agree that we won. Yeah, because my, my team has all the momentum. But yours has bad <laughs> karma, so I won. So... What do we think? National still think uh yeah, national, Nationals win the World Series? I mean, what is your what a story? Up, going up 2-0 is like I can't remember the exact number, but it's well over 80% of teams who go up 2-0 win the World Series. Mm-hmm. You just you can't you can't really bet against that unless you're the guy who put Mattress Matt or something. Whatever his name is, the guy who puts like 7 million dollars on the Strohs every year when they're in the World Series. 
You never heard of this guy? I, I've never heard of this guy. Darren Rovell like flew to Vegas with him because he was going to put down a million on the Strohs before game two. Wow. Nuts. His name is like Mattress Matt or something like that. He needs to come up with a better name. Maybe he'll win the bet know. next time. Yeah, really. I don't know. It, but it's 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 crazy that he has that much money to put on it. All I know is that I want to see um, Gerardo Parra pinch hit <laughs> in the World Series at home because then we would hear 20 seconds of Baby Shark. Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. We can't do this to the listener. We can't get it stuck in their head. So, the crowd in Washington just goes nuts over it. So I can't wait for Par to pinch it. And that's gonna be so fun to just hear in general because you know they'll bump the crowd mics up for that. Oh, one hundred percent. When Par is on deck, I'm sure the whole crowd just goes crazy because yes. they know it. <laughs> they know Baby Shark is coming. So that is our look at the World Series. And we still have time to squeeze in our favorite segment of the podcast, Around the Horn. So there's a little bit of controversy going on. We talked about the bad karma Mm -hmm. around the Houston Astros right now. Well, one of their front office executives said he was so glad about Roberto Osuna and a lot of other things happened. And then Jeff Loonhow comes out in press conference and is... Doesn't handle that in the correct way with the <laughs> reporters or, or yeah. reporter. Brian, maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on that. So Brandon Taubman, the Astros assistant GM, was fired this week after apparently he just yelled at female reporters in, in the clubhouse, yelled in celebration after game six of the ALCS in which the Astros won on the walk-off homer by Jose Altuve, saying, I am glad we got Osuna. I am bleeping glad we got Osuna and said it over and over and over again. Well, Osuna obviously in the news for the wrong reasons last season and domestic violence, domestic violence, and the Astros still went out and got him. And I think the Astros were kind of frowned upon when that happened, that they went ahead with Osuna, even though he was suspended. And they didn't really handle it the right way, and this situation... No, nothing about what they came out and did made it feel like they had any regrets at all. Yeah, so then the Astros, after this incident, and it comes out in Sports Illustrated what Tobin said, and the Astros followed up by saying his co- his comments were taken out of context. Okay. And that, to me, that press release, that statement from the Astros came across as very tone deaf. And the result, which was firing Brandon Taubman, Astros assistant GM, who appeared to have a really bright future in Major League Baseball. That was the only outcome that was going to come from that. Yeah. You, it was the, the writing was on the wall. Whether they were taken out of context or not, it, it was on the wall. The writing was for Taubman's exit, and he got fired this week. And what was weird was when Loon Howe, in the press conference to address the situation, he said... You know, I wish I could apologize to the people who were hurt by this. And they were in the room. Like, the female reporters were in the room. And that was very, very tone deaf. And just, there are a lot better ways you can handle this. And it's just a worst-case scenario that seems to be weighing on the Astros organization right now. And we have a lot of managerial hires to get to. The first of all, Joe Girardi to the Phillies. Because the Phillies and Gabe Kapler... That, that didn't really seem to work it out. It did not. I don't know how much of it was on Gabe Kapler, though. I think he was part of it, but I don't think that team was really ready to compete this year either. But Joe Girardi goes from MLB Network 
to Philadelphia. Well, Gabe Kapler just may not have been ready in his managerial days, I guess you could say, in terms of trying to take a Phillies team that was average and take him to the next level. Joe Girardi can do that with the Philadelphia Phillies. As much as I like to bag on Bryce Harper, I think this is good for Bryce Harper because Joe Girardi handled a lot of big personalities with the New York Yankees. Being in New York, you're just used to handling a lot of outside and inside attention. A lot of stuff. So Joe Girardi, I think, is well-equipped for this job, and I would not be surprised, much to the dismay of the Braves fan that I co-host this podcast with. Couldn't be me. Wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies were in the playoff picture next year. I mean, they better be with how much they paid Bryce Harper and how they're trying to blow their window open right now. But first off, I think it's on the front office to do the right thing, and we'll get to that more a little bit later on. Okay. Around the horn. Okay. Second off, Joe Madden to the Angels. There are even whispers about Garrett Cole to the Angels. That'll come a little bit later on. But Joe Madden, mm-hmm. he, he had an exit with the Cubs like our one and only Ryan Porth predicted at the beginning of the year. And it, and you you thought it was inconceivable. I, I still that, think it's a mistake on the Cubs' part. Uh, at, I wonder how much that that relationship rotted behind the scenes. I'm sure it did, and that's that's what it led to, right? And I don't think the front office made every kind of move to fuel that fire completely. That team aged quickly, too. Yes. Very. Anthony Rizzo. Hayward was actually decent, but... Yeah. And we'll get to the Cubs in a minute because they hired their new manager as well. But Joe Madden to the Angels. Look, if they go out and get, whether it's Garrett Cole or another pitcher this offseason... And you have Otani yep. rejoining the rotation next year. Trout on the contract. You've got Trout. You've got Joe Adele coming up from the minor leagues. He's one of their star prospects. Otani can hit very well. Yep. I would think the Angels... I They see, they need to do something where they field a complete team and just don't go sign a few names. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think the Phillies are closer to being a playoff team Absolutely. with Girardi than the Angels are with Joe Madden, but Joe Madden can work his magic with the Angels like he did with the Rays and the Cubs. Top down, the Angels need to build an organization before they can go compete in my opinion. Yeah, they need depth coming up and they need to go add to go get something in free agency and trade, but they don't have much bait to trade with. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just in a tough pickle. They're a little all over the place. And this is the one I've wanted to get to. Okay. David Ross and the Cubs. And not because I have like some breakdown on how this is going to help the Cubs, but because this is yet another hire that shows the future of the way baseball is going in terms of its managers. Front what do you o- mean by that? Front offices are incredibly complex now. They have these new departments that explore a lot of very complex mathematical data tracking things that are driving their decisions. And... That passes up a lot of managers. Because when you go into baseball to be a manager, you don't care about being able to write Python machine learning algorithms, do you? No. Well, that's what baseball's doing. Mm-hmm. They're working with things like driveline, which are not to be rude and not to say something that can come off as offensive, but it's over a lot of managers' heads, and it's not their fault because that's not what the guys were setting out to do or trying to do. But that's the way the game has evolved. These players with no managerial experience, like... Aaron Boots, for example. Also, 
You bring them in because those guys will know how to manage and relate to a locker room, and you bring in a manager to do that, and then you hire a bench coach to make a lot of the strategic decisions a manager used to make. Because a lot of this game is being played up in the front office by the 20 and 30 team staffs they have that have a lot of things fluctuating at every second, and it's all based on a lot of complex stuff out there from StatCast and algorithms and a bunch of stuff that I could talk about, but it gets pretty boring quickly for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is front offices have lasered into the future, and it really passed up the dugout quickly. So instead of trying to force an algorithms guy into a manager position, they're bringing in comfortable presences to lead the teams uh, in both like how they what they signify for the organization, but also how they can relate to a locker room. And they're putting a bench coach in there who's like, look, here's how we're going to navigate all this data. And they're holding these treasure troves of paper and computers in the dugouts that are showing them how to make these decisions quickly. Well, another trend with this is hiring TV analysts. Yeah. Aaron Boone, Gabe Kapler, who just got fired. Joe Girardi, who was on MLB Network. He was a manager before, but David Ross spent a lot of time at ESPN. Yep. I don't know why teams keep dipping into the, the TV realm for their managers. And look, they're they're qualified. They used they played the game. But it's not like Aaron Boone had years of minor league experience. It's not like David Ross yep. had years of minor league experience. They retired from baseball. They went to TV, and now they're going to a big league dugout. I find that interesting as well. When you go to the media, I think that makes you a little bit more open-minded because once you're in an organization, right, like things go into a process of how it's done and this is how we do it in the bigs, this is how we do it in our organization. You can kind of get steamrolled over and run out by the process. Mm -hmm. Bringing in a guy from the media is a fresh perspective. Someone who hasn't gone through the whole process of being a major league manager or a major league coach. I think there's a lot of value in that because across baseball, writers, getting hired to front offices, football, John Lynch, 49ers GM, Mike Mayock, all of that stuff. It's happening in multiple sports, and I think it's because they're fresh. You know what I would be really interested to see at some point is they hire someone from the media that isn't a former. It's It happens. Everybody who started Fangraphs.com, the baseball website, has been hired to work in a front office organization. I would, uh, but I'm talking manager. Oh well, that I don't, I don't, that'll never happen. Like a Tom Verducci, yeah, that won't to being happen. a manager. That won't I, happen. I would be really curious to see if that ever happened. You don't think it will ever happen? No, no, because one, I don't think Tom Verducci would do that job well. And well, I'm not saying that they would do it well, but he is very, he's a very smart baseball guy. You yes. can tell. That oh, he's brilliant. He knows what he's talking about, no matter what broadcast he's on. And I, I think he's, he is one of the top media guys in baseball. He would get he he would get I, I wouldn't say it's unlikely he it's not out of the realm of possibility he could get an assistant coaching job a bench coach mm-hmm. or something like that but a manager with Tom Verducci that's that's nigh on impossible to climb that would be interesting to that's see though. so far eh, close to zero that it's like I don't think you could get a clubhouse to buy in no that. that's that's kind of what I'm getting at it's yeah. like despite how little I believe in all a lot of that, and there, it certainly has its role, but players believe in it. And it doesn't matter whether it exists or not if people believe in it. Mm-hmm. Like it, if you're sitting there in the clubhouse and the GM walks in and is like, here's our new manager. And it's Tom, Verdu- Tom Verducci. Guys are yes. going to be looking around like, why are we bringing in a guy who's been asking us questions? Yes. And now we have to report to him? Yeah. 
You know, exactly. like and that, there's just that hierarchy of respect and things that shouldn't matter, but always do to people. Absolutely. So that was around the horn for this episode. Lots of manager hires. Obviously, everything's changing right the now. The Padres hired somebody that I've never heard of. I'm sure he'll be out in three years. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll try to like go trade their prospects and sign a few big time free agents. Probably. AJ Preller might be overrated. And they, then they just continue to chase their tail. And I mean, I, I really hope not because they have such a great foundation and farm system that if they just give it time, they'll be like the Braves and have a ton of potential. But just watch them start trading some of that farm system for players that don't fit there. And yeah. then you've overpaid Manny Machado. And then and Manny Machado, like not the guy I'm wanting to build around. Yeah. So there you have it. The Home Play Podcast. Another version in the books. Calvin, the next time we talk, we will be recapping the World Series. Very likely. And maybe previewing the offseason, which is hard to believe that we are previewing the offseason. I feel like we just started. I, I know. was just saying it's finally getting hot outside. Well, now it's finally getting cold outside. Yeah. As it's dreary outside, so, we're talking baseball. Yes. So, for Calvin Smith, I'm Ryan Poor. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Home Play Podcast, ESPN 1025 The Game and TheGameNashville.com. Nashville.com.